Welcome to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I am Nate with my co-host Zach and Andy, and today we're going to be discussing the thrilling 38-17 victory over the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. We're going to talk about the, some of those implications of that win, as well as looking ahead to next week's game against Georgia Southern. So without any further ado, we'll go ahead and kick it off with uh, University of North Dakota here. Uh, I really wanted to first off just kind of give a shout out and a kudos to the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Like they they came out and they were huge underdogs. I think uh, they were opening up on Saturday morning somewhere in the uh, 30, 34 point range of underdogs, which is uh, just insane if you ask me. But they, they came in, they were ready to fight, and they were scrappy and feisty, and they really gave Nebraska all that they could handle. And so I wanted to give credit where credit's due. Um, I think I had mentioned on a couple of the prior episodes that uh, North Dakota had given the likes of North Dakota State and South Dakota State last year run for their money. And so they really weren't afraid to, you know, step up to the big dog and come to Memorial Stadium and really give us a dogfight. And so really hats off to them for uh, giving us all we could handle. Um, From a football perspective, I thought, it was honestly an all right game, but from a Husker fan perspective, ooh, <laughs> one of those games where you just want to tear your hair out and punch a hole in the wall, I think. Um, there were some bright spots still. Um, I'll go ahead and just say it was really, really nice to see Garrett Nelson get out there, become more vocal on the field, and uh, just be a lot more of a physical presence on the defense, causing some turnovers get in the backfield, make a lot of tackles. It was really nice to see him kind of come into his own on Saturday. Uh, Trey Palmer also was a pretty bright spot to me. I thought he made a couple of really uh, important catches down the stretch uh, that really kept us in the game. And then, obviously, our Lord and Savior, Anthony Grant, uh, really kept us in the game, uh, put the team on his back, and really, like I said, he, he kept us in the game, and he was a big part of kind of why we were able to score and keep things out of reach down the stretch. But uh, before I get into too much detail, I'll go ahead and throw it over to Andy and get some of his thoughts on uh, what he saw on Saturday. So we definitely, how I feel is I'm not chugging the Kool-Aid just yet. These are this game and next week's game are games that we definitely should have and no doubt losing at all. I mean, there's no point in, the score being seven to seven at half. Uh, those are games that you need to go in, kick the door down and blow these teams out because that is what you're supposed to do in these not conference FCS school games that you play in. And it was definitely a tale of two halves for this team. Um, generally we are always a first half team under Scott and then come out in the second half and just don't finish quite strong. It was nice to see that script flipped uh, to where we didn't start strong at all, but we definitely overcame a lot of those mental fortitudes that uh, we have not been able to do in the past eight games that we had lost. Um, so it was nice to see that. Um, doesn't change my mind about how I felt about the game. I was, I'm was i happy for a win, always happy for a win, um, but felt like there was a lot left on the table that the team could have done more and could have proved. Um but yes, like Nate said, Anthony Grant definitely getting the run game established um, is going to help us going forward. And Anthony Grant, I think, will be a big workhorse in the coming games for sure. 
Um, Casey Thompson just he still looked good at times. Um, I do think the the play calling from Whipple of pass first and then set up the run, as we saw in the first half, didn't work out to where then in the second half you come out, run first, establish the run game, and then you can pass. Um, definitely showed a lot more that this offense can do with that um, as well. It was nice to see the backup tight ends without Volkolek, uh being out there kind of step up because they had to that game. Um, there were a couple of really drop passes, um, but Borkutcher eventually, obviously he scored the touchdown, um, made up for that. Uh, Brewington as well got his first uh, career Husker touchdown, which was also nice to see those tight ends uh, step up in that backup role. But definitely we know that this team needs Volkolek out there um, as a pass catcher and a run blocker for sure. Um, O-line uh, it's obviously still a very big issue for uh, this team. Um, it's going to be, they need to figure it out by next game because Oklahoma is not going to be a very easy game for them at all. Um, if they were getting pushed around in the backfield by North Dakota in that first half, I can't imagine what uh, Oklahoma is going to do to that offensive line. So defense is the biggest struggle so far, I think of the entire team. And that's not something that we had talked about earlier um, in our first episode, we thought the defense would be kind of like the saving grace, like it was last year. Um, as we saw in these first two games, I think the defense is definitely more of a liability than it is a trustworthy factor um, going forward. So that is definitely going to be something that we can uh, keep an eye on and talk about later here. Um, and then special teams, we'll we'll get into the the squib onside fiasco uh, again that happened. But um, outside of the missed field goal, which we all I think we all just were like, oh, here we go, another thirty-seven yarder that straight missed left and i think a lot of husker nation was like oh, i thought we found a kicker and he missed it and here we go again but uh no we we made up for that we didn't have any other field goal attempts outside of that um i don't think maybe we hey, we had the 46 yarder didn't we oh yeah sorry yeah, yeah we did have the 46 yard so he made up he made up for it <laughs> um so could have been 41 17 would have been closer to my prediction um, which i would have been much happier about but um, and then the muff punt, not really a muff punt, but the, the, to put it plainly, the very stupid picking up the punt while it's rolling literally an inch before it stops. And then two guys fighting over the ball. And I think I remember one point looking at Scott on the sideline and he had just taken his headset off and he's like, what are you doing? And I think that's how we all felt. Um, so special teams had its moments, but still. Still just some metal plays that could be fixed. Um, and hopefully they'll address that this week because that is something that you can't you can't make those types of mistakes against Oklahoma. Um, and not trying to skip past Georgia Southern because obviously we'll get into that later. But definitely if you do that against Oklahoma, you will get you will get beat nine times out of ten on that. Um, that's what I have for quick thoughts. So over to you, Zach. Yeah. Um, I think you guys kind of did a really good job of putting it all together nicely, so I'm not going to spend too much time going over too much else. Um, something that I think, you know, should be looked at um, that we maybe talk about, but maybe just kind of discuss here shortly is how much did, uh, you know, jet lag and the international travel have to do with how sloppy we looked? Obviously, it was said already a game of two totally different halves. Um, <laughs> and 
I, one of my notes that I took here early on, I was like, wow, we're actually playing pretty clean. Like, you know, we're keeping the penalties to a minimum. And of course, pretty much right as soon as I said that, we decided to change the script on that and get what, six, seven penalties. Just, you know, goes back to the mental mistakes and the mental toughness that doesn't seem that um, is quite there yet. Um, obviously, this is a totally different team than we saw last year. And again, um, defense to me, I think, was the weak link. Missed tackles was, I think, the main story of the day. Uh, just, I don't understand how we went from being labeled. I, I guess I'm, I don't remember if this is exactly how it was, but we were labeled as one of the better defenses in the Big Ten last year, and we had, you know, pretty good tackling. And I understand a lot of that's we lost our upperclassmen, our, our seniors, and our super seniors, and however many whatevers we had. But, um, you know, a lot of that kind of just it was like you're, you're almost watching a year one, year two team in the terms of tackling. It was like, this, this is terrible. Um, I think I think there were four or five missed tackles on the first drive against North Dakota alone. And I'm like, what are we doing? Um, and then the other thing that I don't know if you guys mentioned, but time of possession. Um, Continues <laughs> I, to plague the I team. Don't, <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, obviously a game is not won solely on time of possession, but – my goodness, that's how North Dakota was able to stick with us. And again, this is not putting down North Dakota as you know a bad team or nothing. Obviously, they've they've had some success, but by by and large, Nebraska should have run away with the game probably in the second quarter if we're being honest with ourselves. They didn't do that. Obviously, you know if you were either at the game or watched the broadcast or uh, full disclosure, like I did, had to watch the 60, 60 minute recap on Big Ten. Uh, you could even hear the boos in halftime. Obviously, Husker Nation was not happy, um, and rightfully so. I mean, that's I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't boo at the coaches for a seven and seven at halftime game against an FCS school, but I digress. Um, I I figure you know with that, let's get into the game. Uh, I'll pass back to Nate. Yeah, so I think we hit a lot of really really good topics there. Um, like we mentioned, it's it's an FCS team, and that was not really, especially that first half, that's not what you want to see out of the Huskers coming into that game. Um, even, even as we said, North Dakota wasn't necessarily a pushover by any means as an FCS team, but they're, you know, you don't want to be missing tackles. You you want to be getting all those little things right uh, against teams like this, or else you're going to be in a dogfight like we saw on Saturday. And so uh, with that, I guess I guess I'll just go into uh, some of the offense a little bit. Uh, definitely a slow start, as we've kind of mentioned. It uh, was really sputtering in the first half. Things weren't really clicking. We had some uh, unfortunate turnovers. That fumble was just interesting. <laughs> Casey Thompson, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a blindside hit. It was You kind of saw the guy coming, but I mean... So not necessarily his fault, but our O-line was just not there the entire game, it seemed like. And that's going to be an issue once we get into Big Ten play because we're going to be facing a lot bigger, a lot more stout front lines in the Big Ten than we are as North Dakota, no offense to them. But uh, it's going to be definitely some tough sledding if we can't protect our quarterback or you know get our running backs at least a little bit of time to make a play develop and so uh, that'll be really an interesting development to see how that plays out in the near future but uh, again I want to 
touch on some of the bright spots I saw. So Trey Palmer had a really big catch towards the end of the game that uh, I believe was the third and 14, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, and he just made a really spectacular catch and extended the drive, and, you know, it could have gone a couple different ways. I know they were close almost getting a safety on us on that play. We were backed up pretty well to our own end zone, and it turned from really a broken, almost scary play to uh, getting us a first down and keeping keeping the drive alive, and so that was that was really important. I know he had a couple other catches throughout the game uh, that really kept drives alive as well, but that was... That was good to see. Uh, Andy, you mentioned Borkature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got, I believe, a touchdown. He mm-hmm. finally started catching some passes, mm-hmm. which was nice to see. He, I know he dropped that first one. I was texting you guys a little bit like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was nice to see he actually kind of came into his own and uh, really stood out a bit. But then, you know, Anthony Grant. We, I don't think we can talk about the offense without talking about Anthony Grant. He just looks spectacular. I mean, I mean, just look at the notes that we all put together. I'm pretty sure there's at least three of them in here that are (laughs) like the first one we have. Anthony Grant needs the ball more. The second one in all caps, Anthony Grant, and the third one, Anthony Mother Grant. You know, like (laughs) obviously, you know, the spark of the offense yesterday, or sorry, two days ago now. Yeah, and he was just. He was brilliant. I mean, he wasn't mowing guys over, but he didn't have to. He was able to be shifty enough that he was able to shake off defenders, and he had that kind of top-end speed once he got away from defenders that uh, it was really just impressive to watch him run. And so I was was really, really impressed with Anthony Grant. It really feels like he's kind of come out as that lead dog in the backfield, not that uh, he wasn't after the Northwestern game, but uh, it really felt like he solidified himself, at least at the top of the pecking order there, uh, from what I could tell. And uh, I guess with that, I'll go ahead and pass back over to Andy with uh, some of his thoughts there. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, tale of two halves. Um, first half, very slow and sputtering. Um, what we had seen with Mark Whipple and in the past is he comes out on first drives and he he explodes his offense. I mean, we saw last week Northwestern, you drive down the field, score a touchdown. Did it same thing. Um, defense kind of let North Dakota uh, get a little bit close to field goal range, but eventually forced a punt. Um, we get the ball, first drive. Um, you go 87 yards, touchdown up Anthony Grant, 19-yard uh, run there. And then after that, um, I mean, on offense, they touchdown, fumble, punt, miss field goal, and a half. So it's like, that very slow offense um and it's it's the promise that we all want to see out of this offense is a very hot start come out of the gates firing score touchdown get the lead and you're like all right this is good we're gonna just keep scoring and then as that first half went on you're just like what what's happening here um the strip sack on casey um just can't talk about how much more of a liability that offensive line is um gonna be the rest of the season um if they don't if they don't pass protect and run block. I mean, Anthony Grant, some of those runs Anthony Grant made, he made himself. He had no help from the line. He stayed on his feet, was shifty, blocking, uh, getting out of tackles, um, going the other way. I mean, uh, it was one that he mishandled the snap from Casey, and we're like, oh, man, this is going to be a five-yard loss. And he t- turns it back into an eight-yard gain. It's just like those are things that that just makes what, uh, what makes Anthony Grant so special. And – you know, he just, you need to have a better offensive line. I mean, yeah, he ran for 
189 yards, I think, or somewhere close to that. Um, but some of those plays, I mean, he got blown up in the backfield, and you're just like, oh, what is what is going on with this offensive line? And Casey only had 193 yards passing, so it's not like he had a spectacular day either. Um, he had the the one big interception that gave <laughs> gave North Dakota uh, that got North Dakota the lead or uh, tied the lead essentially. Um, it was 10 to 17 at that point. And he throws that interception, and you're like, oh, here we go. We're gonna lose to this FCS team, and they scored, tied the lead. Um, and then eventually we decided to pick it back up, but um. It's just going forward, that offensive line is going to be such a liability for us. It's going to, yeah, and I get that Anthony Grant is going to be really good. We just need a block for him because he, half of those runs he made, he did himself, and which is all fine. That's what you want out of running back. But you also don't want to depend on your workhorse making a five-yard play out of that uh, when he gets blown up in the backfield. Um, so that that is my issue going forward is the offensive line is going to be such a liability receiving wise. Um, we didn't see any, I don't think uh, Isaiah had a catch at all last uh, two days ago during the game. He had what the four catches for 120 yards against Northwestern. And then I don't know. I don't remember him getting a target at all um, Saturday. And I think, Palmer led the team on receptions or yep. yeah, Palmer led the team behind a uh, Um, But I mean, it's good to see the wealth that uh, you spread around, but I mean, with 193 passing yards, you're not going to get much stats out of your receiving game either, but it's good to see that Casey and Whipple passed and spread the ball around to our receivers. Um, like Nate mentioned, Trey Palmer, you need you need that dude to go down and make you a big time play in a clutch situation. He went up, he high pointed that ball, got got the third down conversion plus twenty extra yards on that too. Um, it was such a huge play in that moment just to keep the drive alive. Because if you give North Dakota back the ball in that situation, um, I don't remember when that happened, but um, it was such. I think it was when it was when we were only up one score um but it's it's nice to have a guy that you can know that you can rely on that can go up and high point that ball get you a first down when you need it um but again i mean casey got pressured on that play too and barely got that pass off so again back to the old line just being a liability is going to be such a issue for us especially when we get into oklahoma or big 10 play as well um, but definitely second half, a lot better than the first half, as we saw. Um, I think S Scott said at halftime, um, they interviewed him on TV and he just, I think the direct quote was, yeah, the offense is bad. Um, he knew it. Everybody knew it. We heard the boo birds on TV raining down and rightfully so. I mean, we were all mad. It was seven, seven at halftime to an FCS team that you're favored by 31 to beat. <laughs> um, obviously didn't cover the spread, so know that going forward <laughs> but um i'm glad the offense picked it up in the second half doesn't mean i'm chugging the the kool-aid yet um i'll wait till after the oklahoma game to decide that for sure but it was nice to see the offense uh step it up in the second half and something we can touch on to later is they showed a couple of times on the sideline uh scott kind of hovering over whipple with a play sheet in his own hand too so 
And Scott had said after the game, they had asked him about, you know, who was calling plays in the first and second half. And Scott said he's not going to get into that. Um, he'll never talk about that. So there's kind of going to be the stipulation and rumors of, okay, who called the first half, who called the second half. Did Scott have a hand in calling more of the second half plays? Because we saw KC run a couple more times in the second half than we did in the first half. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on going forward is, can Scott just allow Whipple to call a game or does Scott have to dip his hand and take over the control um, going forward when we hired Whipple for that reason to trust the offense and just let his experience dictate the offensive play with that as well. But we'll see. We'll see that going forward. Um, but Zach, what are your thoughts on the offense? Yeah. Um, you know, somebody that uh, you guys didn't talk about that I thought uh, showed just as much promise Maybe not exactly as much promise as uh, Anthony Grant, but I thought A.J. Allen balled out too. Um, you know, not nearly as many rushing yards as uh, Anthony Grant, who you were right, Andy. He had 189 yards on 23 carries. So, I mean, he averaged really well. Um, mm-hmm. Now, granted, that was kind of helped by the 46-yard run that he had there. Um, but regardless, I mean, Anthony Grant obviously I think was – the key player on the offense this last weekend. Um, I think he was the one that spurred us for the win and something that I think really should never have to be said, you know, as bad as Nebraska has been in the past few years, you know, we should never have been like, man, I'm glad we won that game. Like we shouldn't have even had a concern about that. Um, And, you know, this goes speaking specifically with offense. You guys touched on it pretty well was it all starts at the line. And the O-line was not good. I mean, blown assignments. Obviously, you know, Casey's fumble was not good, um, but he got blindsided because the O-line, I didn't even I didn't even put down who missed the block there or whatever happened exactly. But, you know, he got blindsided, and that's because the line didn't hold uh, at all. Um, you know, Palmer uh, was obviously for the receiving group, I think the shining star. Uh, but I think Andy's the one that said it, maybe Nate, I don't remember exactly who said this, but you know, you saw a good spread around the field for receivers. Um, you know, Palmer had the most with four, but you know, everybody else had two, not everybody else, but you know, um, you saw quite, you saw a pretty good spread out for different receivers, um, tight ends. And obviously, uh, it was nice to see Borkature come into his own after that first wildly missed catch. It was right in his hands. Even it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. You know, you, you need to make that catch, especially on a slant. Like that one was easy. A first down had he caught that he would have gone on for plenty of yards after catch too. But obviously it didn't matter in the long run. We won. Um, something else that I wanted to talk about was Casey looked iffy, I guess is at worst, you know, he still looked yeah. decent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's clearly not the scrambling, uh, quarterback that you know we would need with our O line. He's not bad by any means, but he's not the he's not going to be our leading rusher, which is probably not an all bad thing. But uh, there were a couple scrambles he had that I'm just like, man, you know, in those situations, that's where I really, really wanted to see you know an Adrian Martinez style quarterback running up the line. You know, um, he did fine. I'm not at all saying he did terrible, but he did fine in that regard. Um, and obviously. The guy that I thought was hopefully going to have a really good year, uh, Omar Manning. Where was he at? I know he had a couple catches. Uh, it was only 16 yards. And he got us a first down, which kept the drive alive, which was great to see. But 
And I know he didn't play against Northwestern, so obviously, where was he at? Well, he hasn't played a full game, so I'm hoping he gets into the offense, you know, into the game plan a bit more. I really, really would like to see him, you know, pop off, I guess, if you will. Um, you know, outside of that, I think you guys kind of hit the nail on most of the other head, uh, you know, everything else. Um, you know, the play calling to me seemed very weird in that first half, and obviously, you know, we'll get into this kind of later, but it seemed weird that it just, like, we started off really, really well. We started off on fire, um, kind of. I mean, it was a, it was a very wonky start, but, you know, we, we got a good score, and then it just seemed like all of a sudden we're like, okay, let's play conservatively. Like, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, without without ever being able to be on the sideline at the time or even in the locker room, you know, the three of us are never going to know. Um, we could sit here and speculate all day if we wanted to. We could make an hour-long podcast about that if we wanted to. But obviously, we're not going to be doing that. Um, no, I, I think, uh, ironically enough, I think between offense and defense, I think our offense was by far, in a way, the better, the better unit. Um, kind of a low bar, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, again, we shouldn't have been tied going into halftime. Right. And I, I, I still maintain that you know, Husker nation had every right to boo at halftime because we should, we shouldn't be tied with an FCS team. And like, I know like if anybody from North Dakota outside of Nate listens to this, it's not us dogging on the team. It's just, you know, with the resources that Nebraska has, we should be fielding a team that wins by three, four scores. I mean, obviously Vegas said we were 30, 31 point favorites. I don't remember exactly, exactly, but we were, that we were favored by that much if anything Mm -hmm. that's taught me anything that's taught me don't bet that but regardless um you know i think once we got past the once we got past the first half i think then we finally you know we finally got the the wheels moving and everything kind of looked better and i think you know i still ask you know how much did jet lag and how much that international travel really mess with things because you know, having traveled overseas at least once, you know, it takes a few days to get kind of course corrected, if you will, and playing on a football team and having to also go to class and also have to, you know, do everything as a college student on top of playing a football game at, you know, it's, I can't imagine that's easy. Um, Thank God I'm not doing it because I am too out of shape. But, you know, I think... (laughs) I I don't know. I would be curious to see because I'm hoping that next weekend we see a much much more rejuvenized team, much more, you know, you know, out, on fire out of the gate. And I think you know once we get a better week of rest without having to travel in a tin can across the ocean, I think that's going to be helpful. Um, but we'll see. Um, and then with that, I think you know we can. I think we kind of wrapped up our thoughts on the offense. Let's take it over to defense, and I'll give it to Nate. Yeah, it's a good transition into defense. I did want to bring up um, one thing that uh, for the offense still uh, that was a little interesting to me, and even Scott touched on it in his press conference again, was uh, where was Ramir Johnson? Mm -hmm. He was in for, I think, one play I saw, and that was about it, and Mm -hmm. Scott... Scott mentioned him specifically. I mean, there there are other guys in that running back room, like Jacquez Yant, um, that Scott didn't mention. But Scott specifically said that Ramir Johnson's a good 
a good player and a guy that they want to get involved in the offense. And so it's, mm-hmm. to hear that for the second straight week in the post game is, I don't know, a little concerning, I guess. Just the fact that we, he seems like he's healthy. He's been out for a couple plays, but we haven't really done anything with him. And so that's, I don't know, just a, a question mark that I wasn't sure. Um, I don't and know. I don't want to interrupt you too much, Nate, but something I feel like we should bring up is at the halftime when they interviewed Scott, as well as his postgame after this game, did anybody else think he sounded either sick or just off? I mean... Very hoarse. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm wondering, you know, that kind of goes back to the point of how much how much did the travel affect them? You know, how many... You know, if he's if he's sick or if he was just yelling so much that he was hoarse, I don't know. Just I don't know. He didn't seem he didn't seem his normal self, whatever that usually means. But he definitely seemed shaken or sick. But mm-hmm. anyway, continue, Nate. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, and he did it. I don't know if he was sick or just <laughs> stress is getting to him or something. But I mean, you. He was at least joking a little bit in the press conference, so it was still good to see that he's still kind of comfortable enough in that that uh, he's able to joke a little bit with the reporters and stuff. But he he did seem a little off in the post game, so hopefully, if if he is feeling sick, we uh, hope you get better, Scott. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and leave that there. But uh, moving into defense, man, I, I know there's that old adage that goes, "Defense wins championships," and if that's so, we're screwed. <laughs> I was gonna say, let's maybe slow our roll on what we're expecting oh, out of our defense here. <laughs> if the offense was our bright spot, defense was that was that was rough. It, again, it comes down to just the fundamentals. Tackling has to be first and foremost on these guys' minds. Like it's one of those things. You know, they came out against Northwestern. It's week zero. It's first game of the season. You know. You expect a little bit, you know, you're going to miss a tackle here and there. Mechanics aren't going to necessarily be, you know, 100% just yet. But second game against the FCF school, um, you'd expect these guys to be able to just wrap up, plain and simple. It's They're just kind of throwing their bodies at them and not, not really using the fundamentals to wrap up and take the guy down. And it's really, I don't know, discouraging to see because if we're still playing that bad against um, an FCS school, that doesn't really bode well for your Oklahomas or for the rest of the powers in the Big Ten. And that's really a scary thought. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to kind of monitor that as we go forward. Hopefully, hopefully it gets cleaned up this week in practice um, and they show out against Georgia Southern, but that's just something we're going to have to wait and see about. But uh uh, again, my bright spot was Garrett Nelson uh, on the defense. He looked looked like a man that was ready to just kind of rip some heads off. And he was uh, another guy that really impressed me. He was a guy going into the season I thought was going to be a big piece of the defense. And I think part of the Northwestern game, he was going up against um, that All-America tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that kind of muted his impact a little bit. But for um, the North Dakota game, he really showed out. He forced that fumble. I know uh, that they had. I can't remember what half. It was second half, but uh, yeah, second half forced the fumble, and that that really gave us some momentum. And he, again, he was just able to pump up the team, and he was making big plays. And I think that really gave momentum to the rest of the defense. 
And so um, with that, I think there was also some, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of, again, pass rushing that came with that. Our run defense, you know, is just bad. <laughs> Flat out, we can't stop the run. That's going to be an issue going forward. I know Oklahoma has a really good run game, so that's kind of terrifying to see. But uh, our pass rush, we're just not getting anyone back there. We had Garrett Nelson back there a couple times. I think Oshawn Mathis was back there maybe a time or two. But other than that, it's we're not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. And I think that's been what's leading to their quarterbacks or opposing quarterbacks, you know, having these really impressive completion percentages. And that's something that needs to be fixed going forward, I think. So uh, with that, I guess I'll go ahead and pass back over to Andy and see what your thoughts are on the defense here. Um, defense was was not great overall. Um, they Second half, they stepped up, um, obviously with the Garrett Nelson turnover. Um, congratulate O'Shawn for getting his first sack at Nebraska. That was probably big for his just uh, style or just his momentum, um, his confidence going forward. Um, good to get that first one out of the way. Um, yeah, that turnover really helped for uh, just the defense mentality, um, the offense going forward. Um, that really, really helped them. I don't think we scored after that. No, we got a field goal after that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you come away with points after that. Would have liked a touchdown after that turnover to keep the momentum. But um, either way, uh, good for Good for getting two sacks on the day, at least. But, yeah, um, run stoppage on defense is going to be a very, very big issue um, going forward. Um, considering most of the Big Ten runs that, um, I know Oklahoma It's probably going to be a mix of 50-50, but I know they play up-tempo, and we've already saw the conditioning problems um, last week. There probably was some this week that weren't as noticeable, um, but it's going to be – very it's going to be very sus of our defense to try to keep pace with Oklahoma if we can't stop them on the run and get them off the field um like we said I mean the time of possession for North Dakota was what 10 more minutes than we had 13 more minutes yeah yeah so they North Dakota had the ball for 13 more minutes than our offense did and that is going to be a very big concern for our defense if we can't stop the run because North Dakota I mean just ran they just ran like Northwestern did. Not as much as Northwestern did last week, but I mean, we still gave up 175 yards, uh, 5.3 yards to carry, and that can't do that in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, essentially, you look at that as two run plays. That's a first down every other play, essentially, um, if North Dakota just ran the ball. Um, we knew that going into the game that North Dakota was not going to be a very pass-oriented offense. Um, I wouldn't blame them after watching the tape last week against Northwestern. Um, might as well just run the ball against us because we can't stop it. But that is going to be that's going to be the biggest issue of our defense. Um, nope, no, the no presence of a pass rush is not great either. Um, I mean, I know we had a couple of sacks. Um, is going to be not. I mean, it's good to get the first two sacks out of the way, but we do need a bigger pass rush presence. Um, but run stopping is. I think our biggest issue going forward, um, whether that is Chenander, you know, stacking more guys in the box, of the linebackers or putting more guys on the line um, to stop the run. I mean, you just can't rush for every time and hope that the, your front four guys can get through and stop the run. Um, if your linebackers are playing back in zone. So that is what I want to see from Chenander uh, 
especially this next game against Georgia Southern. Um, can you make those tweaks and you fix that before you go play Oklahoma, a team that will probably play up tempo, run the ball down your throat, um, considering that we can't stop it at all. So with that, um, that's really all my thoughts on the defense. I thought the secondary played decently. Um, again, there's not much to take away. They only threw for 131, so it's not like they aerated the ball on um, – defense so it's not much to take away from the secondary in terms of pass coverage um towards the end of the game tommy hill i think is going to be one of our better bright spots at secondary he stepped up had a few big breakups at the end there um but secondary was okay linebackers i still think played okay um i think reimer and gifford have to be the the leaders at that secondary linebacker position for the rest of the team um because Garrett Nelson can handle up the front, but I think those two guys have to be the leaders uh, to pull that uh, defense and get that defense motivated to make those stops, uh, make those run block stops and fill in those gaps, um, which I hopefully Chinander will talk to them about and get that situated. Um, that's all I got about for the defense. Over to you, Zach. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you spoke on it there right at the end, Andy. Um, you know, Reimer, uh, he... I wouldn't, I'm not going to say he was hidden yesterday, but he, um, he was just in there as much, um, seven total tackles. It looks like, um, none solo, which maybe that's why, maybe that's why we didn't hear his name as much, but either way, he obviously made an impact. Garrett Nelson being the bright spot to me. Um, Isaac Gifford also, I believe it's Isaac. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm bad with names, but you know, those three guys basically led our defense yesterday. Um, and they, they did, did pointing really, at that, really well. that yeah pointing that out Zach I mean I'm just looking at the solo tackles is a lot of our secondary has a lot more of the solo tackles which means you're having your secondary come up to stop those runs which is not great um, no. considering like if North Dakota threw for 330 yards and our secondary getting those tackles that's one thing but the fact that they threw for 131 and your secondary is making a lot more of the solo tackles tells me that you're sending your secondary up to stop the run. And at that point, North Dakota probably already had a first down. Um, right. But yeah, back to you. I mean, that's just one of the things that I think is an issue is if your secondary is making a lot of those tackles, then you got to you got to stop them more at the line. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, that goes back to what we you know, what you guys both pointed out. Run run stopping is an issue. But even then, the pass rush was also not there. I mean, like it kind of was, but. You know that same pass rush, pass rush we saw yesterday, is not going to be sufficient enough come to the Big Ten. I mean, you look at the rest of the Big Ten scores from this last weekend, and you saw some wild. I mean, you saw Big Ten football, wildly defensive games. Um, I mean, not to call out, you know, or not to call out the uh, rivals from the East, but Iowa won against South Dakota seven to three. If that doesn't strike you as a defensive game now granted you know, going back and watching that game the offense that for them had issues too but you know they played big 10 football against an fcs team as well and the score alone was seven to three uh so i mean you can no already touchdown. see it no touchdowns you can already see it's going to happen where you know big 10 play is going to come around conference play is going to come around and we are if we don't figure it out we're going to be having real issues um specifically i guess the one that concerns me with the way the defense looked yesterday wisconsin they're they're gonna be tough 
Um, but that's Braden Allen is quite the running back. That's uh, that's down the road. Hopefully, we can get our get our stuff together by then. Um, one of the one of the plays that really kind of gave me uh, my head just my head shook a lot was this the touchdown pass that North Dakota had in the second uh, quarter. Just yeah, right I went back and half. watched it. I went back and watched it, I think, two to three times, and just the defense just broke down. Like, North Dakota didn't have to try, it didn't seem. Um, I mean, obviously they did, but it just seemed like they were just able to just boop, right over the top, no big deal. Like, we can't have that. I mean, again, not not to put down North Dakota at all, but that shouldn't be happening for what what most Nebraska fans would have probably called a cupcake game, like just to put it bluntly. Um, but again, kind of going back to what we said with the offense, it was a tale of two halves. Um, you know, I mean, we still had missed tackles and blown assignments in that second half, uh, but it was definitely better, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't have much more to add. Uh, it was nice to see that, O'Shawn Mathis kind of showed up there in the fourth quarter. Hopefully we can get him involved a bit more, but better, better, you know, late than never, I guess. Um, you know, I, there's not really too much else I think that we need to touch on. Um, I'm hoping again, as I'm just going to keep saying, I'm hoping a lot of this game was explained by just, you know, jet lag and that travel. Um, I'm hoping that this next week we come out and look cleaner. We look, you know, more poised as a football team, but we'll have to see. Um, I was wondering, I'm just checking to see if there's anything else that I wanted to talk about, but it doesn't really look like it. Um, no, I was going to say, I think we can wrap it up here for the North Dakota game with special teams and I'll pass it back to you, Nate. Yeah. So special teams, uh, definitely looked special at times. Um, they, <laughs> man, they were just some, not good plays. <laughs> the the we already touched on the punt. Um, that was just kind of a head scratcher. Why you would even touch the ball in that situation? Um, we had the missed field goal. We had the squib kick, and I don't know. It, at least with the field goal, I don't know. Thirty seven yarder. You don't want to miss that. But he did redeem himself on the forty six yarder later in the game. So that was that was good to see. He wasn't necessarily too. Um, in his head, I guess, uh, in that respect. So hopefully he can gain some more confidence, some momentum going into our next game. But, uh, and I don't know, the squib kick, I, I get it. And it, listening to what Scott said in his press conference, it does make sense to squib after you get the penalty. It was just not executed well. And it, Boy, did it look really close to an onside kick. (laughs) I remember just, I got a text from a friend that was at the game, so I was behind on the game a little bit. It was like, all that said was again, and I knew exactly what was happening. (laughs) Could you imagine, though, if somehow the squib would have turned out to be depend you know a flag for not going far enough? (laughs) Like, I don't know. But obviously, I mean, as you were pointing out there, obviously the Husker Nation was not ready to see anything that even resembled an onside kick again yep. in the third mm-hmm. quarter of all places. Yep. <laughs> they were not ready, us included. It was they were like, why? But I think I think you already pointed it on it. But 
the idea was there. The idea itself was solid, just mm-hmm. just did not execute well. But mm. continue, Nate. I want to make sure we got that in there before we before someone <laughs> furiously commented at us. <laughs> but no, I think that's the kind of the gist of it was execution is what it comes down to. Like when it comes to special teams, you get that one shot at it. You get one field goal. You get one, you know, onside kicker kickoff. And you have to execute it perfectly. And so when we're making some of these just asinine plays, we we have to make sure they look good and are executed well. So I'll just kind of leave it there, pass it over to Andy and see what your thoughts are on special teams. But um, you know, there's not a not a whole lot to say other than a boneheaded move to try to pick up that punt when it was not gonna roll much further than maybe a couple inches. Don't know why. Don't know why we picked it up, but we'll just leave it at that. Um, in terms of the the squib kick, so I get the reasoning why. Um, I think Scott explained it after his presser was, um, that if they had practiced it uh, in practice, that if you know you get a penalty that applies to the kickoff instead of kicking it back for a touchback, you try to squib it, try to pin them inside their own twenty. Um, obviously he joked about it, said that uh, the kicker's accuracy the past two weeks has not been. Not been great, which is why I hit a guy <laughs> and didn't go as far. <laughs> um, but I I mean, I get the idea of why he did it. Um, I think just for the sake of all of us, probably just kick it deep. But um, I get the idea of it. And obviously, it didn't come back to bite us in the butt, thankfully. But still, just fresh off that last week and then you do it again this week. It's just that's something you just want to keep pouring salt into the wound. Um, just... Just leave it be. Just kick it off. Just just do your kickoffs normally. Just be simple. Um, don't put much thought into it. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. I assume that's you passing it off to me yes. then. But um, yeah, I, ironically enough, um, as I'm looking at my notes that I have here on my phone, uh, I actually thought the special teams overall looked decent. I said they looked good again, but then I put that note in there, I think, in the first half. So I obviously kind of came to change my mind, even though we did have the missed field goal. Um, but <laughs> that onside, well, sorry, it's not onside the squib kick attempt. Um, you know, I, I saw what they were going for there. It made a lot of sense. I question whether our special teams is good enough to do something like that. Um, I, I, Again, I think the idea was solid. I think the execution obviously was not what we wanted. Um, and, you know, Andy, you touched on it. I think you both touched on it. The pickup of that punt by Lewer. What were you doing? Like, obviously, in, you know, I, I don't know the rule off the top of my head. And when you're in the moment like that, maybe he thought something with the the block being into play. But even the announcers said, on TV at that point, they were like, why would you do that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the thing is as a football player on special teams, or regardless, as a football player, you're supposed to know in those moments, you're supposed to be able to make those judgment calls on the fly like that. And it looked like he had made the judgment call and then he went to pick it up and maybe he thought he heard a whistle, but I remember thinking like, there's no whistle. Why did he pick that up? Why are you, why are you doing that? Thankfully, they gave us the ball, but that could have been a real, that could have been a real issue. Um, the bobbled catch 
on the kickoff, there was that one that happened. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think maybe second or third. I don't remember when they had that, but um, I just put a note in here to talk about it, and I just remember thinking, like, we've practiced this for how long? Like, we shouldn't be bobbling the catches, but, you know, it happens, and even the top 25 teams in the college football, you know, sphere all do that same thing too. So it's nobody's ever going to be perfect. I understand that. Um, yeah, the missed field goal sucked, but that second field goal I thought looked really nice. Um, I mean, special teams, I think, you know, if I had to give it a great letter grade, I guess it'd be a C plus B minus maybe. Um, they did fine. Um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Luckily, I don't think our special teams was on the field too much. So a short list there to talk about, I think. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, that I think was pretty much a good overview of the North Dakota game. Mm-hmm. Um, a phrase that I don't think we should ever be saying, but I'm going to say it is we eked out a win against North Dakota. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, the last the last quarter there, the fourth quarter, I don't, I don't know if I'd call us at that point eking it out, but those first three quarters were a little iffy. Mm-hmm. But that's all right. Um you know, so I think that kind of leads us then into uh, next weekend, uh, which is going to be Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. which um, I'll just give a quick thought right now. Did anybody see the score from Georgia I Southern game? Sure did. They, uh, 59 to they, 7. Yeah, they definitely had, they, they definitely had, uh, they, they knew what they were doing. Now, granted, when they play against us, hopefully it'll be a little different, but mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, ESPN's, I'm looking at their site right now, their matchup predictor, the little uh, circle with the percentage to it. Um, for North Dakota, for reference, I think ours was at like 97, 98%. Obviously, it's gone now since the game's over. But for Georgia Southern, they have us at an 84.2 of winning the game, where uh, Georgia Southern is a 15.8%. So for reference, we basically dropped 10 to 12% chances to win against another, they're FCS, correct? Are yes. they FBS? I was going to say Georgia Southern. I think they're FCS. Anyway, a team that we should definitely... No, they're Sunbelt. Oh, no, they're oh. FBS. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, well. All right, so, I mean, obviously maybe I'm understating them a bit. But again, you know, losing that 10%, I think... It, again, I understand ESPN's um, matchup predictor there is not end-all, be-all, but... That's I think that speaks to what we saw on the field, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but with that, go ahead. I'll pass it back to Nate, and I'll let him kind of go from there. Yeah, so on paper, this is kind of a scary matchup for us. Um, <laughs> as I think about uh, every matchup is going to be, unless uh, we see some drastic improvement here. But uh looks like 367 passing yards, 137 rushing yards. So there um, could just be... A game plan thing, but it looks like they're going to be one of those pass-heavy type offenses that's going to try and throw the ball around to a bunch of different receivers and see what sticks. Um, They have a couple guys that were, three or four guys that were over 50 yards receiving. Uh, They spread it out. They had three different guys had a touchdown. Um, So that'll be interesting to see how our pass defense holds up against that. I think, Andy, you mentioned Tommy Hill uh, could be a guy that's starting to step up. Uh, Looked like he had a couple more plays in the second half, and so it'll be interesting to see some of his matchups there. 
um, against this Georgia Southern team. But uh, defense-wise, it looks like they forced three interceptions, which scares me a lot, too, because... Casey Thompson's been accurate when he's been accurate, but when he's not, he's been known to throw the ball around in a little precarious position. So <laughs> I am definitely a little nervous seeing uh, that many turnovers. But then again, Morgan State, uh, the team that Georgia Southern played, is from the MIAC. And so I'm not sure if that's FCS or not, but I think that's definitely a lower, lower tier conference, at least. Um, no disrespect to them, but uh, certainly uh, not. Not the Big Ten of the um, Middle Eastern American Conference or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think it could be another dogfight. I think uh, just looking at it, Georgia Southern probably has quite a few decent athletes that could give us some problems. But um, hopefully we get our tackling fixed. Hopefully we get some of those little things fixed. And it's a game that we actually come into more prepared for a little less jet lag a little more uh, well conditioned for and something that we can build off this north dakota game and uh maybe build off that second half and really try to uh show out against uh, georgia southern here so with that i'll go ahead and pass it over to andy here yeah um i think just in terms of personnel um obviously we probably won't see ball collect this week uh, for the game, I think even if he is good to go, I don't think they're going to risk uh, running him out against uh, a team that we should beat, um, need to beat, but definitely should beat. So I don't think in terms of Volkolek, whether he's good or not, I don't think they'll play him this week. Henrich it might, it just it depends on how the updates go for him this week. Um, I don't know if they necessarily need him this game. Um, they definitely. I mean, who knows if we needed him against North Dakota, but um, if, if his hand has given him issues still, I don't think they'll roll him out this week either. Um, what I would like to see is, I know it's Scott had mentioned this um, in his post game that he's not going to crown like Anthony Grant as the number one running back. Uh, they're not going to, they're not going to retire his numbers, what he said or anything like that. But I think that is an issue that we need to look at is, I mean, yeah, you have a lot of good depth in that running back room. Um, and Scott is very loyal to the guys that he recruited, like Ramir. The issue is, I mean, Anthony Grant is the clear number one right now. And so, you know, do you stray away from a guy that is really productive because you want to be loyal to a guy that you recruited who had a good season last year, but hasn't played at all this year yet? So that is something to watch next game um, for that as well to see, you know, if they just stick with a one-two punch of Grant and Allen or if they try to mix in more of the running backs that it's okay if the running backs can be mixed in and are productive. But I mean, if you're, if Grant is running for a hundred plus yards again, like why would you take him out? Um, just keep him in there or at least rotate him like they did with Allen, which seemed to be a good one, two punch that they had as well. Um, receiving wise, I do think um, I would like to see just a little bit more of offensive production from Casey and the receiving core. Um, granted that second half, they figured out that they're going to run the ball. So that kind of dictated the game a lot um but i would like to see maybe just a little more passing production um from casey and just more just better receiving i should say from uh maybe isaiah uh who had like i said a great game against northwestern but was not effective this game um same with omar manning love to see him get more involved as well for that um but yeah georgia southern um head coach um if you don't remember clay Helton, um 
was the USC coach since 2015 before um, Lincoln Riley took over. So I think that does play more into Georgia Southern style of why they're more pass heavy, just because that's what Clay Helton has been at USC before. Um, so obviously a step down in terms of coaching schools, at least for Clay Helton, but nonetheless, um, I think that's what they need to prepare for. Um, you know, they might switch it up and look at our tape and like, oh, we don't need to pass the ball as much. But I think that's I don't think that's Clay Helton's style. I think he is more of a passing coach, um, as we saw with his debut game and how much they passed the ball uh, for that game as well. But what I hope just to see is I would hope this I would love to have a repeat of that second half at all four quarters Saturday. Um, we'll see. It's just Nebraska's never been consistent for any four quarters under Scott. Um, Arguably, you could argue Northwestern last year, um, but we just haven't seen all four consistent quarters under Scott. So hopefully they can tweak that this week, um, get that second half production they did against North Dakota for Georgia Southern this week. Um, and hopefully the defense can tackle <laughs> and run stop. Um, but I feel like it's going to be a much more passing uh, heavy game from Georgia Southern, I think. Uh, Chinander will get that focus with our linebackers in our secondary who for the most part have done pretty well. Um, it's just two games. It's so hard to gauge how well our secondary is, especially with you only have miles farmer being the only true returning back uh, secondary for that defense right now. Um, Buford played, I think last year a little bit, but miles um, farmer definitely is the, uh, most experienced guy in that secondary. And I think they're going to have a big test this week uh, with Georgia Southern. So on to you, Zach. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with anything you guys said at all. Uh, you know, you touched both really well on offense, I think. Uh, so I'm going to talk actually a little bit more about the defense because I'm doing a quick pass over on their stats um, just from their last game. The the quarterback, Van Treese, had 367 yards on 46 attempts, uh, 63% completion. I mean, not necessarily a barn burner quarterback, but this clearly shows, you know, passing the ball is what they're going to do, which is, I think, a bit concerning because if North Dakota was able to pretty much dink and dunk on us without too much of an issue, we need to we need to really tighten that up. Um, and then looking at just their receivers, they had one with 99 yards and seven catches. Their second one, uh, 88 yards on six catches and 60 yards on five. Three receivers over 50 yards of catching uh, or receiving, sorry. And, I mean, you know, you can see where all that yardage is coming from. Now, of course, you know, you look at the other side where they rushed the ball. They didn't hardly rush at all. Their leading rusher had 45 yards. But <laughs> they scored, was it 59 points? They, yeah, I mean, they scored just under 60 points. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, no one cares how you get it done if you win the game. And so something that I didn't touch on, but I think might be a concern uh, going into this game is that North Dakota in this last week looked like the team that wanted it more. Even though we ended up with the win, there were many times where I saw North Dakota putting their head down and, you know, they're like, We've, we can do this. And granted, a lot of that was, I think, Nebraska letting them keep that, keep themselves in the game like that. But still, I think Nebraska really needs to come out and just punch it home right away and let them know, like, hey, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to really, really try to beat us. Um, because uh, 
you know, it it's kind of what we've seen the last few years still too, is the other team in this case looked like they wanted it more. And again, I think that might be able to be described by the, uh, you know, jet lag. And I'm, I keep saying that, but I'm not using that as an excuse, but I think that is something that we need to really consider that I think maybe this next week will be, you know, maybe not fixed, but will at least look a little better. Um, but yes, I agree on the offensive side, I, you know, with your guys' points, I think, you know, that you hit the nails on the head there again. Um, I'm hoping that our special teams comes out and plays not perfect. That's not ever going to happen, I don't think, but I hope they play smart. I hope that they, you know, I hope we don't see any fumbled passes or any, fu- or sorry, any fumbled muffs or anything like that. Just, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to have the special teams come out and be going, the whole time that just doesn't that's you know and thankfully so far this year i've been a little better about that where last year when the special teams had come out so it was always like who knows what's gonna happen so um i think with that we can just go right into score predictions um Mm -hmm. nate i'll let you start it off yeah so kind of again i'm a little little scared of this one like you said any team that's putting up fifty nine points, no matter who they're playing, they're they're Spread getting the is 21 and a half, In case you wanted to know, spreads twenty one and a half. Okay, over under sixty. <laughs> um, I am going to go on the optimistic side. I'm hoping that we can build off that second half, um, at least offensively, and I'm going to go with forty two points for us. And I'm thinking Georgia Southern, I mean, they're scoring 59 points. I'm, I'm going to go with the 24 for them. So 42-24 for me. Okay. Uh, Huskers winning that one. But I, I think it could be another close one where we kind of pull away at the end. So I will go 38-24, Nebraska win. Um, it's just the defense is just still too suspect to think that they won't let up at least a couple scores or anything like that. Um. Hopefully, you know, we get out to a hot start, but then we let up those 24 points with our second string defense. <laughs> that would make me feel a lot better. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be still somewhat of a close game. I don't think uh, Nebraska covers the spread. I think that's still too that's still too big of a spread um, for a team that is still now 0-2 right now against the spread this year. <laughs> but I do think Nebraska wins. It's just I'm intrigued if the defense will come out put a, a big statement going to Oklahoma because after this game you need any sort of momentum going to that Oklahoma game. I'll do you, Zach. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I think the fifty nine points I think is something that you can't just look over. Obviously they're gonna try to aerate us. Um and I think that's probably, in their case, a smart play to do because I'm guessing it will probably work at least for a half uh, until maybe Nebraska gets it figured out. Um, hoping we see a full four quarters, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 45 for Nebraska. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be better in terms of their offensive production this next week, um, and I think we're going to see a lot better of a score than we did. Um, but then I'm also going to give them you know, the benefit of the doubt and say, they're going to, they're going to score quite a bit on us probably early. You know, they're going to surprise us, I think. Uh, And I'm going to go 31, Uh, 45, 31, I think is where I'll 
made my bed. Um, I, that I think pretty much is the end of you know. We'll we'll have to see how the game goes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of where we uh, where we ended off. Mm-hmm. Something to note that has been asked uh, to all of us in se- in different circles, obviously, uh, that people would like to hear us talk about is the changes to the college football playoff layout, which. Uh, hand to God right now. I love it. I think it's great. Um, since that's such a, that, that can be such a wide topic. We're going to wait until the bye week to discuss that. So if you're really looking forward to that discussion, make sure to tune in for that episode because that one should be an interesting discussion, I think. Um, and then what do you guys got? Let's wrap her up. No, no, no other, uh, thoughts here. Just looking for which the game was tomorrow. Just want more football, <laughs> but um, no, just hoping that we come out. We this this has to be a statement game for the entire team um, heading into Oklahoma. You need any sort of momentum going into such a big game. There's already going to be so much emotion, so much hype just to that game, just because it's Oklahoma, Nebraska. Um, a lot of big noon kickoffs coming down for that game. So I think uh, this Georgia Southern game just has to be a statement uh, game for this team. Um, you need all the confidence, all the momentum going into Oklahoma. How do you need yeah. And I'd say I would agree with that. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out again to the boys from Grand Forks for uh, giving kind of Nebraska all they could handle. Um, <laughs> but glad that we could pull that one out and on to Georgia Southern. I think I agree with you, Andy. We need to have a strong show against Georgia Southern. We need to come out and really get all the momentum that we can moving into that Oklahoma game. So hopefully we have, hopefully it's not as close to a game as we're all predicting. And we just kind of ride into Oklahoma uh, on a high note. So with that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who uh, tuned in is listening to us. Uh, We appreciate it. If you have any comments, don't uh, hesitate to reach out to us on uh, any of our social media. And uh, just remember if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska ability.